Before we get in God's Word tonight, I uh, didn't know if you guys had a chance, but there is a table out there with some car magnets, and uh, we'd love for you to pick one up, put that on your car. They're absolutely free, and uh, you just pick it up, slap it on your car, and be proud of Hillcrest. Amen? Amen. About two-thirds of you. Amen. That's all right. That's all right. We just hope you'll pick them up. Also, if you didn't have a chance, you may have not seen it. These, these are on the table right up back here. Uh, but also, if you go this way by the bookstore, there's a table out here. We've got uh, a bunch of free Bibles as well. And if you're needing a new Bible, new study Bible, uh, we picked up a bunch of uh, free Bibles from a company that gave those to us. So you can check those out on the table right there by uh, the bookstore. Now, the ones in the bookstore are for sale. The ones outside the bookstore are free. All right, So no five-finger discounts in the bookstore. All right? I uh, just want you to know about those things that are going on. So, uh, And we should be picking up even some more Bibles. This guy told us that he had uh, tons of Bibles, and uh, we were welcome to as many as we wanted. So we got a bunch that we've reserved for VBS and different things like that. Uh, but there's several of them out there if you'd like to pick one up. All right, well, if you've got your Bibles, if you'll go ahead and open up. Uh, we'll start with Daniel chapter 1, but we're going to kind of be all over the place tonight. Uh, we're going to be looking at several scriptures. We've been talking about uh, prayer, and we just kind of wrapped up our session on prayer, and uh, been talking a lot about fasting. And uh, a lot of people have had a lot of questions. What do you mean by fasting? Can you, can you talk a little bit more about fasting? You mention it, and I figured that's why, you know, uh, a lot of people stayed out of here tonight because they didn't want to hear about foregoing food. That's what it was, you know. Y'all said, no, we're not going to talk about not eating. Uh, but fasting is a vital and important part of the Christian's journey. A lot of people don't realize that because so often they believe that, that fasting is an Old Testament shadow, that it is not a New Testament reality or a New Testament discipline. And, uh, but to be honest with you, there are 25 references to fasting in the Bible. 16 of them are Old Testament, but there are nine New Testament references to fasting. Uh, we also know that Jesus himself fasted for 40 days. So if Jesus didn't want us to fast, he wouldn't have fasted himself. And everything he did, a lot of times it was to set an example for us. He fasted for 40 days. Jesus also taught on fasting in Matthew chapter 6. In his Sermon on the Mount, uh, he preached on fasting and what you needed to do to fast. Also, Jesus was questioned about fasting in Matthew chapter 9. And uh, when he was questioned about fasting, he said, he was asked, why do your disciples not fast uh, when our disciples do? When John the Baptist's disciples have fasted and the Pharisees' disciples have fasted, why do your disciples not fast? And he said, well, while the bridegroom's here, they will not. But once the bridegroom is gone, they will. In other words, once I'm gone, they're going to fast again. And so it was a New Testament reality. In fact, in the book of Acts, it's mentioned twice in Acts 13 2, Acts 14 23. When ministers were being appointed, they did it by fasting. And so fasting is an Old Testament shadow, but it is also a New Testament discipline. So tonight we're going to look at three spiritual truths about fasting. Uh, the first spiritual truth that we're going to look at about fasting is getting a definition of fasting. Okay, because th that's really the key. A lot of people want to know. What do you mean by fasting? What, what is it that we are called to do? What, what, what do you mean? If you're, if you're going to say fasting, what is it biblically? So Donald S. Whitney, he says this. He says, a biblical definition of fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. All right? So it is the foregoing of food. Now, how many of you like to eat? Anybody in here like to eat? How many of you are thinking about food right now? All right, yeah. 
I mean, we do. We like to eat. I mean, we just, we are geared towards eating. In fact, many people, when they're in church, they're talking about while church is going on, where are we going to go eat lunch today, you know? I know it goes on. I know it happens in Sunday school. But the truth is, is, I mean, we are bound to eat. Now, there are a lot of things in life that we absolutely have to have to live. You think about that. We have to have food, right? Uh, I think the, the, the average, I think somebody can actually go, uh, or the most somebody can go is actually 41 days without food and not die. Isn't that surprising? Now, you can go about three days without water and not die. Uh, you can go about, what, maybe a couple of minutes without oxygen and not die. But that's about it. I mean, you think about it. There are certain things in life that we absolutely have to have. There are things that are absolutely needed for our bodies to function. Uh, but when it comes to fasting, it is a foregoing of food. It is, it is abstinence from that, that product. And, and here's the thing. A lot of people say, well, you know, what about drink? Well, we'll get into that in just a moment when we talk about the different types of fast. But in sense, it was mainly just doing without food, and it was for spiritual purposes. Now, it's interesting. John Piper, he made this statement in his book, A Hunger for God. He says, when I say that the root of Christian fasting is the hunger of homesickness for God... I mean that we will do anything and go without anything if by any means we might protect ourselves from the deadening effects of innocent delights and preserve the sweet longings of our homesickness for God. Not just food, but anything. The issue is not per se, or is not food per se. The issue is anything and everything that is or can be a substitute for God. Now, when Piper is saying there is there, there are other things that we can fast from. Now, what's interesting though, when you look at the Bible, the only thing that they ever fasted from was food. There was no other kind of fast in the Bible. Now, the reason why we kind of try to make some leniencies toward that is because there's a thing called Lent. How many of you have ever been a part of Lent? Anybody ever been a part of Lent? You know what it is. Lent is where you take a month and you forego something. You might say, well, I'm going I'm to go without chocolate for a month, right? Uh, you, you say, oh, I'm going to go without social media for a month. You know, that, that's Lent. In other words, it's giving up something but to be honest with you, it's not really a sacrifice. To go without food is an actual sacrifice. Now, there are certain things, and he makes a point here to say that it is anything that you can try to substitute for God. In other words, anything that you might be putting before God that needs to be removed out of your life. But also, I love this other part that he states it when he says this, Fasting is not the forfeit of evil, but of good. For all the ill that Satan can do, when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of his love, it's a piece of land, a yoke of oxen, and a wife, according to Luke 14. The greatest adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. Now, what I would tell you is simply this. When it comes to fasting, I've always believed that a fast, a genuine biblical fast, is the foregoing of food. Now, let's be honest. It's hard. I mean, how many of you have ever gone without just one meal? All right? And you're, you're, after you forego that one meal, you're thinking to yourself, I'm about to starve, right? And you're looking forward to when you do get to eat. Now, sometimes when you're working so hard, you're working throughout the day. I remember my dad would have us out there on construction sites, and we'd work, and we'd be working so hard, and it was so hot, you didn't want to eat. And then by the time you got to dinner, you were starving, and you just scarfed down whatever mom cooked. And so a lot of people will do it 
not for biblical intensive purposes. They just do it because it's just easy to go on and, and eat when you get a chance to. But when we talk about a biblical fast, it is something that is serious. It is something that is designed. It is something that is purposeful. And there are a lot of things that we can talk about when it comes to fast. So let's, let's look at the types of fasting. There are actually six different types of fasting. First, we're going to look at what's called a partial fast in Daniel 1 verse 12. Let's read that together. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Now, I guarantee you, every one of you in here know what pulse is, right? Right? No. It's vegetables, right? Vegetables. All Daniel wanted, all he wanted for himself, all he wanted for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was vegetables and water. Now, what we mean by a partial fast is where you forego certain items. He said, we don't want the king's delicacies. We don't want the meat that the king wants to offer, and we don't want the wine that the king wants to offer. In other words, we're only going to eat what we can eat, and we're only going to eat things that are considered clean. Now, the reason why they would eat the meat that was given to them by the kings uh, of, of uh, Babylon, the reason why they didn't want to eat that food is simply because that food, a lot of times, that meat had been sacrificed to idols, and they wanted nothing to do with it. They said, you know what, if it's been sacrificed to idols, and we don't want to even chance it, even if you haven't sacrificed it to an idol, it's a possibility that it was, and we just don't even want to eat it. We're going to eat vegetables and water because nobody sacrifices vegetables, right? All right? So he said, we're going to have a partial fast. We're just going to eat vegetables. And he said, do this for 10 days. In other words, he said, we want to prove to you that we're going to be okay. And so for 10 days, that guy allowed him to prove himself. And sure enough, by the time they got done with their fast, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked better than all the other prophets and wise men at that time. So that's a partial fast. All right, look at me in Ezra chapter 10. And verse 6, if you're not sure where Ezra is, go way, way back. It's just after Second Chronicles, you'll find the book of Ezra. But Ezra chapter 10 and verse 6, and there we'll see what's known as an absolute fast. Ezra 10, 6 says, And Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went to the chamber of Johanan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did, not, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. So an absolute fast is not only the foregoing of food, but it is getting rid of water as well. Now, somebody asked me, said, well, you know, what, when we fast, do we have to fast from eating or do we fast from drinking? I'll be honest with you, most of the time when people fast, they don't forego drink. They don't forego water. Uh, some people will, in their fast, they'll even drink juice. But what they will forego is they'll forego food. But this was an absolute fast, and an absolute fast is when you do away with drink and food. Now, here's the truth. We talked about this just a second ago. You can't do that for very long because you will dehydrate, you will die. And so this was not a fast that could go on for an extended period of time. But during the time of Ezra, it was one that Ezra himself put himself on. That's an absolute fast. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 2. We'll see what's known as a supernatural fast. Matthew 4 and verse 2, talking about Jesus, says, And when he had fasted 40 days... And 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Can I just go ahead and just tell you something right up front? Do not do a supernatural fast unless God directly speaks to you and tells you to do it. All right? Now, you say, well, why? Because there were only three times this was done in the Bible. It was done by the Son of God. 
who could be sustained because God was watching over him, providing for him and caring for him. And it was done by two other men. It was done by Moses, who God sustained while on the mountain while he wrote out the Ten Commandments for him. And it was done by Elisha when he was chased into the woods and God sustained him with a meal before he chased him into the or before he was chased in the woods for 40 days he fasted. So there are very few times. Now I will tell you there are some pastors that have done a 40-day fast. The Lord has never laid that on my heart, and I praise God for that. Uh, I'm not saying that it isn't going to come, but I do praise the Lord for that. But uh, I know that uh, when I was at Liberty University, Jerry Falwell uh, did a 40-day fast. And typically, uh, a lot of the pastors, when they do it, Ronnie Floyd, uh, who's down in Arkansas, he's also done a 40-day fast. And when they do it, they'll drink something like Ensure. They won't eat any solid food. They won't drink anything. They'll simply use like Ensure or some dietary supplement like that. And that's all they'll have for 40 days because the rest of the time they'll focus on God. And so, but what they say is when that happens, it is directed by God and God shows up in a mighty way. Uh, Ronnie Floyd said he saw something that was the closest thing he's seen to revival happen in his church when he took that time to fast for 40 days. And so a supernatural fast is one of those things where you got to make certain that it is God that is calling you to do it. All right. Number four, we'll look at a congregational fast in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. Acts 13 and verse 2 It says this, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherefore unto I have called them. A congregational fast is a fast that is called by a prophet, a priest, or a pastor. All right? So a congregational fast is a a fast that is called by a prophet, a priest, or a pastor. Now, in this case, they separated themselves. They wanted to fast because they needed to know who God was wanting to send on mission. And this time, it ended up being Paul and Barnabas. And so God called them. He directly pulled them out by using this fast to speak to the people. The pastors had called for this fast. Now, here's the thing. I have actually uh, called for fasts in church before uh, for, for certain things. In fact, I'm going to be asking our church to do the same thing coming up uh, just before Easter. Uh, one of the things that I'm planning on calling our church to do is called a 40-day fast before Easter. Now, understand, listen to me closely, for you go, oh, he's asking us to fast 40 days. No, I'm not. I'm asking 40 individuals to pick a day, and then ch- the entire congregation will fast for 40 days. And in other words, 40 individuals will take one day, and we'll set it up 40 days before Easter to fast all the way up to Easter to ask God to move in a mighty way, because we know that Easter is a time where people will attend church that normally won't attend it any other time. And so we're praying that God will move in a mighty way. So a congregational fast is one that prophets, priests, or pastors will call their congregations to participate in. Turn with me to Matthew 6, verse 16, and we'll look at a private fast. Now this is the one that most people know about, but it's in Matthew 6, verse 16. It says, moreover, when ye fast, or verse 17, but thou, when thou fastest, in other words, the idea was the individual chose a time to fast. Now, this is the one that most people think about because we think about the passage in that's being taught right here. It says, don't go out there and show yourself to be fasting. In other words, make sure you wash yourself, clean up, so that you don't go around thinking everybody look at you, making you think you're very super religious and all those things. And so that, that's the idea. But there were other fasts that were called for multiples and for groups to be a part of. But there may be something where you're needing God to speak to you. You're needing God's 
direction. You're wanting God's protection. You're wanting to know God's will. Maybe you're wanting to repent of sin. There may be something in your life that God individually is speaking to you and you call a fast for yourself. I've done this many a time. Uh, I know before I came here, I took several days where I fasted and I prayed before God led us to be here. I wanted to make certain that I knew the will of God in everything that I was doing. And so you'll fast. You yourself will fast. You'll say, well, I need to know God's will. Well, have you tried fasting? Or I need God to answer my prayer. Well, have you tried fasting? I need God to show up in a mighty way. Well, have you tried fasting? And a lot of people say, well, I can't believe you, you talk about this all the time. I talk about it because you think about the young boy uh, that when he couldn't be healed, and then the disciples asked him, said, well, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said to him, what? This could only be healed by prayer and by fasting. So a lot of times we just, we look at it and we say, well, why is it important? Well, it's important because God says it's important. It's important because it's a part of the Bible. It's important because it's a discipline that we as Christians oftentimes neglect. We set aside. We don't participate in it. But it is something that we can do if we're truly seeking the will of God and truly seeking to see his hand move in a mighty, mighty way. Lastly, turn with me to Joel Chapter 2 and verse 15, and we'll look at a national fast. A national fast. You might say, well, what do you mean by a national fast? A national fast is a fast that is called by a king. Good gracious, I can't find it right now. My fault. There it is. A king or a nation's leader. Joel 2.15 says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Not only was it spoken of in Joel chapter 2, verse 15, but some, Mike had mentioned earlier, Jonah chapter 3, when the king called for an entire fast. You think about this, the, the one that's really neat about Jonah chapter 3, when the king called for a fast, what was so unique about it was he even had the animals fast. He muzzled them so that they couldn't eat. He even wanted the animals to fast along with the people. And that was unusual because that, I, I've never seen anything like it. I've never heard of a, a country calling for a fast and even calling the animals to fast. But the point was, we know we've messed up. We know we've sinned against God. We know we've got to get things right. And so he wanted everybody fasting. In fact, the king himself fasted, which was something oftentimes was unheard of. But the king called for a fast, and the people fasted. All right. Well, now let's look at the needs for fasting. Now that we've looked at the different fasts, let's look at the needs for fasting. The first need that we have is humility. Humility. Look with me in Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou... When thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, a lot of people will read that passage and they'll say, oh, well then, why would they have national fasts, or why would they have congregational fasts? We're not supposed to let anybody know, and that's not the point that he's trying to bring across here. The point he's trying to bring across here is the simple sense of humility, It's not about looking better unto people. The Pharisees would even proclaim that they fasted twice a week. Now, they wanted everybody to know 
that they fasted. They wanted everybody to see that they fasted. They wanted everybody to think that they were extremely spiritual men. In fact, they wore this, some kind of garb that made them look different. They kind of walked around. They acted like they were pious and spiritual. And so they would do these things. They wanted people to see them. And here's what he's trying to get across. The point he's trying to get across is, look, it's not about whether men see us doing these things. We're not doing it for their glory. We need to humble ourselves because we're doing it for the glory of God, not ourselves, not for our names to be exalted. He says, don't be like the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. In other words, they would walk around moping, and they would look the part, and they want somebody to come up and go, what's wrong with you? And they say, well, I'm fasting. I'm so famished. You know, and, and they wanted people to ask them these questions. Here he's basically saying, walk around. Don't look like you're fasting. Don't look like you're moping. Don't look like you're sad. Walk around as though you're normal. And he says, that they may appear unto men to fast. He goes in verse 17, he says, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And I'll tell you, one of, one of the hardest things in fasting is when you're married. All right, you say, well, what do you mean? Because typically a lot of times this is what happens. If I'm fasting, I don't even tell my wife. I don't tell anybody. And so I'll be fasting and my wife will go, hey, what do you want to do for lunch today? And I'll say, nothing. She'll go, no, really, what do you want for lunch today? Nothing. No, I'm serious. I'd like to meet you for lunch. I'm not meeting you for lunch today. And so she'll finally, she'll go, why do you not want to meet me for lunch today? You know, that's how it goes. And I'll just have to say, I'm fasting. And then she goes, oh, I'm sorry. You know, now here's the thing. You might have to inform them just so that there's not a lot of questions that are asked about that. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm not telling her so that I can get some sort of credit. And it's not about that anyways. It's about doing it for the glory of God. It's about seeking his face and following his ways. And humility is a part of that. It's not about being pious or being seen by others. The second need we have for fasting is a desire. And it's a particular desire. It's a desire to help others. Listen to me. Isaiah 58 verses 5 to 7. Is it such a fast that I've chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. In other words, let me just ask this question. Are there any cheapskates in here? Any, any thri- let, me, let me put it this way. Any people that are thrifty? Penny pinchers? All right, I'm just checking. All right, now, some of you guys are probably thinking like this. You're thinking, okay, I'll fast, and that is $6 I can keep in my pocket because I didn't eat lunch today. I just saw a hand go up. They're like, that's me, brother. All right. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad y'all brought that up. Here's the point. He says there are those that are in need, and what better way to use what you save than to spend it on those who are in greater need? That's what it's about. 
It's about helping those in need. That should be the desire. It's about using what we do save to help those who don't have. To give to them that are in greater need. Now, I, I love this. There was a thing that youth used to do, and I don't know if it's still out there, but it's called a 30-hour famine. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. And what they did was a youth, for, they went without food for 30 hours. They had a youth group would get together, and they would do this simple fast together of going without food for 30 hours. And while this was going on, they would also take the money that they would have been spending on food, and they would collect that, and they would give it to like a food bank. But the reason why it taught them a couple of things. Number one, it taught them that, guess what? There are people around, all around the world that are in famine that are going without food, and you're very blessed. It also taught those youth a simple principle that when you are blessed and when you're taken care of, you need to be a blessing to those that are in need. So it taught them several great principles while they did this 30-hour famine. But it's a principle that comes right here from Isaiah. Whatever you say, he says in verse 7, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bringest the poor that are cast out of thy house when thou seest the naked that thou cover him that thou not hide thyself from thine own flesh. I wonder how many of you, let's be honest, I'm going to tell you, one of the hardest things are, are to see panhandlers, right? That's kind of hard sometimes, right? And a lot of people say, well, I just, I don't ever give to any of them. Well, I can't say that I don't. I can't say that I don't give to them. You might say, well, why do you give to them? Well, here's the th way I look at it. If, if, I, if God places it on my heart and I give to them, the way I look at it is simply this. I've done what God's asked me to do, and they're going to do, and hopefully they'll do what God asked them to do with it. I can't worry about them and what they do with it. I can't. That's not, if, if I'm doing that, I'm judging them, right? I'm just judging them like I'm, you know, and that's not what God calls me to do. If God calls me to give, I better give. I better help them out, you know. And so, and the idea is, and so often it's to deal thy bread to the hungry, is to help those that are in grave need. And, and here's the thing, I'm so, I remember one time I went with a friend of mine, we went to this creation conference, and when we came out, we had these, these burgers, and they, they really, you know, they were okay, you know, they're the kind of the conference burgers you get. You know, you get a little fry with them and chips and things. And it's kind of like, you're like, well, you know, my buddy takes his and he gives it to a homeless guy. I'm sitting there eating my burger and he's giving his to the homeless guy. And I'm going, oh, thanks for making me feel real good. <laughs> like, well, I hadn't eaten my chips yet. Here's my chips. <laughs> you know, <laughs> man. Uh, but, you know, that's the point. That's the idea is to help those that are in need that if there's somebody that's struggling, God has blessed us, God has given to us, and what better way to use what we fasted from than to help those who don't have it in the first place. We also need to have a planned time. You might ask yourself, you know, what do you mean by planned time? Well, the question is, is how long are you going to fast? You know? you got to figure that one out. And I'm going to tell you, if, if you've never fasted before, okay, let me just help you out with something. If you've never fasted before, please do not be go, be, go beyond 24 hours, all right? Because you'll never want to do it again. In fact, if you've never fasted before, what I would tell you to do is forego one meal. One meal. Just try that one time. Forego one meal. Take away from that. And sit back and focus on God and what God would have you to do. That's where I'd start. Now, if you want to understand what a Jewish fast is, a Jewish fast was a 24-hour fast. And the way it would start is it would go from sundown to sundown. In other words, your fast would, start at, would have started at 6 p.m. tonight and will end at 6 p.m. tomorrow night. Now, a lot of people say, well, wait a minute, that's not fasting for a whole day. Well, if you're planning on fasting breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you're going to fast about 36 hours. 
all right? Because you're going to go from nighttime till you wake up that very next day, go through a whole day, and then when you wake up in the morning. So Jews would do a 24-hour fast, sundown to sundown. So what they would do is they would eat before they would start their fast. They'd put their focus on God. They'd pray all night. They'd come up in the morning. They'd pray when they'd eat breakfast. They'd pray or when they would normally eat breakfast. They'd pray when they'd normally eat lunch. They'd pray right before they break their fast at 6 o'clock at night. Then they would eat again. It's a 24-hour fast. That's, a, that's what you call a day. Now, some of you may say, well, I'm gonna, I want to fast for two days or three days or seven days. That's fine. But you come up with the, how long you want to fast, and you put your heart and soul in the things that God has called you to do. We also need to have a planned fast. Uh, and what we mean by that is foregoing our food, knowing how long we're going to forego. Then we've got to have a planned meal. Now, what I mean by a planned meal is simply this. The whole purpose in fasting is to put our focus on God, all right? It's not to put our focus on food, because if you're thinking about food the entire time, that'll really be very hard on you while you fast. So what I normally do is when I fast, I will take time to pray. Whatever I'm fasting for, I'll pray about it when I start my fast at 6 o'clock. Then when I go to bed that night, 10 o'clock, I'll pray, and I'll, fa- and I'll pray about that time, and I'll pray for God to work in my heart, whatever it is I'm praying for. Then when I get up in the morning, I'll do it again. When I normally eat breakfast, I'll pray again. When I'm eating lunch, I'll pray again. And right before I break my fast, before 6 o'clock, I'll pray again. So I plan these meals. In other words, I have spiritual meals throughout. I'll not only pray, but I'll also dig into God's Word during those times. Now, I will tell you this. If you come to a point when you're fasting and you become hungry, guess what you need to do right then? Pray. Don't just give in to the craving. Pray then. Spend time in God's Word. Pray. Find out exactly what Jesus said. Man does not live by bread alone, but upon every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I'm here to tell you that'll be the best meal you'll eat all day. When you focus on God and you have that planned meal and you spend time in the Word of God and you spend time in prayer as you're taken away from those things, you're really putting your focus on what God would have you to do. Finally, we need to have a planned purpose. We're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks, why we fast. There are a lot of different reasons for fasting. But I'm here to tell you, if we will focus and pray about these things, one of my favorites, and I've talked about this several times, but it's for revival. A lot of people prayed and fasted for revival. They wanted to see God move. They wanted to see God change. They wanted to see God work. They did it during the time of Nehemiah, did it during the time of Jonah. And so, but there's other many great purposes, and we're going to talk about those. Some things that people have never even known were a reason for fasting. We're going to talk about those because they're so vital and important to our daily lives. But one of the, one of the other ones that I love is found in the book of Matthew, and it is fasting for the coming of the king. I mean, how many of you really want to see Jesus come back? I mean, that's what it's about. He said, let's fast for the homesickness because the king is coming back, and man, I can't wait. So you think about that. I mean, because let me tell you something. That's going to be the best meal you've ever had when you have the marriage supper of the Lamb. All right? So here's the thing. Fasting is so vital. It is so important. You might say, man, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why would you say it's so important? Well, when we begin to talk about the purposes, I pray you'll see it. Because there's so many things that we could be fasting for. There may be something that you're going through in your own life right now that you need to be praying and fasting for. There may be sickness. Did you realize that one of those things is to pray over illnesses? It's for God's deliverance in the midst of sicknesses to pray and fast over those things. Look at the little boy, you know. I mean, so there's certain ideas that God teaches us, certain principles that we can carry over. But this is... Fasting is one of those things that I'll just be honest with you, most churches will omit. 
They just don't talk about it because a lot of people say, well, it's just not interesting. Well, I don't care whether it's interesting or not. It's biblical. And it's important. And it is so necessary for today. It is so vital. It goes right along with prayer because if you're not praying, there's no point in fasting. You're just wasting your time. But I want you to understand why we need to incorporate fasting into our prayer lives. It is so vital. It is so important. I'm here to tell you, if you are seeking the will of God and you're you're uncertain of what God's will is for your life, there's no better time for you to fast and ask God to reveal his will to you. I promise you, you'll never be disheartened by it.